0: Schmidt, Executive Editor of Farm Equipment. Welcome to Farm Equipment's Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps podcast. With many areas already in the first phase of cutting hay, in this episode, host Casey Seymour of Moving Iron LLC and Aaron Fintel take the opportunity to take a closer look at the used hay and forage equipment market. If this is your first time listening, you can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or TuneIn Radio. By subscribing, you're alerted when each new episode is released. Okay, let's get things going. Here's Casey and Aaron talking about the hay and forage market.
1: It's been a while since we've had a podcast where we just kind of talked about what was going on without a bunch of numbers thrown in there. So I thought, thank God. This might be thank a good, God, everybody. This might be a good one to do that. And we thought since, uh, since we are in that first phase of cutting hay, whether it's alfalfa hay or whether it's prairie hay or whatever it is that you're cutting out there, Maybe a good time to just talk about what's going on in the hay market. So, Absolutely. Aaron is a, how do you say this, a rural lifestylist
2: when it comes to haying? Is that is that an easy way to put that? Uh, previously. Yeah. Previously, we were classified as rural mm-hmm. lifestylists. Now mm-hmm. we are actual custom hay oh, operations. You have a hay monster? No, no, there. we we use the tractor size bales. Oh, okay, I'm trying. Yeah, i yeah. I got you, I got you. No, we're, we're full-bore, custom swathing, custom baling. It's a well, good idea right. when you have livestock and a full-time job. Why not? Yeah,
1: why not do some hay? That's I would say. So, yeah. When the uh, sun is shining, you got to make hay. That's you right. Make hay while the sun is shining. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? All right. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. So, right now, obviously, hay is just about like everything else out there. There's not much of it anywhere to be had the good stuff anyway correct the stuff that you want there's still some you know 535s and 530s laying out there oh hell yeah you know don't
2: discount a 535 man that sucker will make a 2,000 pound
1: bale i like those because you can you can roll back the uh the bell count (laughs) yeah how
2: many bales are on it well 5,000 last (coughs) time i checked let me check the notebook (laughs) real quick Uh, (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah.
2: Just watch those little wheels and make sure you're in the middle.
1: <laughs> but so, right now, but it seems like a lot of the traditional round bell buyer that we've had for right. the longest time. For the longest time, I mean, big square bells aren't anything new to the market. They've been around forever. Heston's made a big square baler for fifty years, I think. I mean, it's been around forever since the eighties. Forty, you know. So I mean, it's been it's been around there for quite a while. So it's nothing new, but it seems like. As operations get bigger, less and less round bales and and more and more big square bales are starting to kind of creep into that market share. Trucking, and that's exactly right. You know, so now you're starting to look at a machine where you can have a three by four or a four by four, something like that, which is very easily divisible by fifty-three or whatever number that you're throwing out there, and you can get a more uniform stack on there without having you know some like pyramid puzzle thing that right you gotta put together
2: when you're when you're doing right. it. So. Eleventy billion ratchet straps. Yeah. Or you got to build the pipe racks so yeah. you can haul them round side out. Yeah. And yeah. then only use nine billion yeah. ratchet straps. Yeah. So, so, nonetheless. So, you start to see more of the big square balers kind of come into play. Um, the big, massive guys, that's all. Oh, yeah. They would not dream of a round
1: bale, man. Right. Yeah. Especially, like. Your dairies, your bots, those kind of guys like that are putting up big squares. Right, yep. it's, a, it's a bigger thing they're doing. So, kind of when you're looking at stuff right now, Aaron, and you're looking around, what are you seeing most out there? Like where where is that value
2: point at right now on, on a big square baler? Hmm. When should he trade, or when is the best time to buy a used one? I think. I mean, I think I'm looking at like
1: it's not uncommon to see a five year old or a six year old big square baler with. 50 or 60,000 bales. Right. right? That's not uncommon.
2: Typically, here's what I would say. If you're a buyer, stay under 20. Okay. If you are the guy trading it off, these guys all know that. Square balers have a magic number. It's 30,000 bales. At 30,000 bales, you don't want the repair bill. Mm -hmm. It's time to jump. Those guys all know that. Twenty-five to thirty typically. Right. It's gonna depend where you're at, conditions, all that kind of stuff. Right. Obviously out here we're gonna pick in a little more sand. Right. But we're dealing with very nice, beautiful, dry crop, whereas the guys in the east, they're not gonna get, you know, any soil, dirt, whatever into the hay like we might. Yep. But it's always tough it's always a right. tougher hay just because right. of the humidity. Yeah. Um if I, if I was a buyer, I would want to be under 20, but there's also a big gap in price between that under 20 or the over 30. If you can find that over 30, maybe like a 30, 35, mm-hmm. and it's had 30 spent on it, 20 spent on it, that is a good bailer. Right. It's ready for the next 30, yeah. you know? And that's how I would kind of see it is that the new buyer guy is probably going to run it to 25 or 30. The next guy gets it. He's had his he bought it after the giant ass repair bill. He's right. gonna run it that far. Mm-hmm. And then he might keep it, keep it kinda, for lack of a better word, patched together. Right. Or he might punch out of it and then it falls to bottom feeders like me. Right. <laughs> right. right. But you know you yeah. know what's funny? We're we're talking about <laughs> trucking right? That's, that is the number one thing that's driven the big square market. It's not because they're easier to feed or easier to handle. They're a pain in the ass, but there's way less of them. That's, that's the beauty of it. (laughs) The, the thing to me that, and, and this is a hundred percent driven off trucking. The farmer producer who has a baler, they love, love four by fours. It's that much less. Mm -hmm. Why would you want more bales? You know, it's a four by four is the modern day Heston stack. Right. You know. Yeah. Right. Or the yeah. old John Deere two hundred stacker. yeah The modern day stacker is, or the modern day four by four is that. Yeah. Um, but you fit two rows of four by fours on a semi, three rows of three by fours. Right. That is what drives. The three by four being the main baler in the greater Hay Area. Right. There are parts of the I states mm-hmm. and the upper Midwest where the three by three is very popular. Right, We could not give one of those away out here. Mm-hmm. They'd rather have a three string big square bale than, right. or small square bale right. than a three by three big square. Which case in point, that's why certain companies don't even make a 4x4. Right. Cronin-Heston is it. Heston, that was what they invented, was right. the 4x4. Yeah, The old 4800, the old 4x4, man. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yep.
2: So Where? <laughs> it, it, It's funny to me when we get, say, that I'll just use the 30, the 30,000 baler. When we get a 4x4 that size, it's gone. Right. Because an end user buys it because he's got a 4910, or a 4900, and that thing's shot, man. It's got 80,000 bales on it. Throw it on big iron, and right. we'll go get this 2290 Heston or whatever and okay. go that route. Three-by-fours take longer, but as guys – now, we're going to see a shift in that because right. as corn went from $11 billion to a penny right. over the last five years – there's guys who well we got to diversify you know we got to get and and it's mostly guys not in the corn region right not in the corn belt mm-hmm. that the fringe acres they right. call it those guys have put in more hay you know during that time mm-hmm. and if and it's funny if, if it was if it was for mostly for them or kind of like what i would call local within the county next county right. that is still pretty much 4 by 4 if you have guys that are we put in we took out two circles we turned them to alfalfa we really like this we're going to do a couple more that's a 3 by 4 guy yeah. he probably bought the 4 by 4 now he's he's doing the math and tons per truck and all this and kind of just once you know if he went from 1 to 3 or 2 to 4 they ramp that up mindset changes and it's Production of the product to sell, just like crops. Right, and yep. at that point, that's when you get guys calling for the fifteen thousand bale three by four, the twenty thousand bale three by four, yep. that kind of thing. Yep. So, yep. and then we have, you know, as as you know, we are just king of the round bale country. You know, no question. Yep. Everything east of three eighty five is round bale. All the way to the next area code, right? <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah, the number of, the number of round billers that we they get sold out here are it's it's quite mind blowing how much that is. But so let's, let's shift over here. So before you can bail the hay, you got to you know you got to go out and swath it. You got to go out and cut that thing. So seeing some movement in obviously the self propelled swather is is very much a mainstay. But the one thing that I've found that is that has gotten a lot of attention over the last two or three years is the idea of taking a a tractor and put one of those triple mount right. Right, or a double mount type rear mount swathing you know conditioner type thing on there because it gives some guys some versatility right, right. you got now you've got a tractor that's going to do multiple things you have your baling tractor that's also your swathing tractor that's also your whatever tractor you know so on and so forth all the way down the line and a lot of these guys are using you know 300 horsepower tractor, they're using a 350 horsepower tractor. So not only is that tractor going to work in all those things I just talked about, but you're also talking about tillage, you're also talking about planning, you're also talking about a lot of other things that are going to start playing into that. And it seems like especially when you get into areas where chopping hay for haylage, you know, laying down hay for haylage,
2: those machines obviously are a way bigger draw. Right. Those, those the, right. the chopping guys are the ones who love the triple mower. Yeah, They can go out there with 300 horse and 30 foot and 15 mile an hour yeah. and eat anything they want to eat. And then their 1,000 horsepower chopper mm-hmm. is behind the merger mm-hmm. and they can just take on the world in yeah. the blink of an eye. Yep. and So I think that that, to me, I mean, when I'm talking to customers
1: about that particular unit, yeah, it's expensive because you're factoring the cost of a... You have a 300-horse tractor in right. there. You're factoring that in there. But if you take the tractor out of the mix and you're just looking at the rear mount mower and the front mount mower and you add those two
2: together, you're still cheaper than a self-propelled Oh, yeah. You, you, self-propelled say you have 5- to 10-year-old machinery. Right. Okay. You trade in your your main hay tractor right. and you trade in your self-propelled swather. And guys don't look at it that way. Well, I got to trade my swather and it's worth eighty, and this other deal's like four hundred thousand dollars. Right. Well, it is, but you're getting a tractor that you've never even thought about owning before. Right. That's part of it. And by the way, that tractor will do anything else. All the other tractors right. on the farm will. Yep. The nice thing about that particular
1: tractor, one thing that I've got, especially guys that have more of a livestock situation, right, is that. That front three-point PTO gives you a lot of versatility that you wouldn't
2: normally have. You're exactly right. There's not much in the crop world that that does you any good with. And that's not what the tractor's made for. It's not for the corn and soybean guy, man. It's not for the wheat guy. It's for livestock producers' feed production. Yep. Okay? Yep. And and that's, you know, Pete, a lot of... And even me as a salesman, I don't look at it that way sometimes, you know? Like... Well, when we, when we do our our used tractor forecasting and whatnot and be like, well, we need a couple front PTO and three point, but we won't row crop tires on them because that you know, helps resale it, whatever. And it does. That, that helps you where you can sell it to that guy who doesn't give a shit what's on the front of it, right. which is the whole point of that tractor. Right. But your livestock guy don't. He wants the floats. He wants 650s or 800s or something like that. You know, so you kind of got to, that's why we elect to go like 480 duels instead. That way you can do, you got flexibility.
0: We'll get back to Casey and Aaron in a moment. But first I wanted to pause to invite you to join us for the next Dealership Mind Summit. To view this year's program and to register, visit www.dealershipminds.com. Now back to Casey and Aaron as they continue their conversation, touching on what's happening with Chopper.
1: I think the one thing that I find, and this is really kind of the novelty of that tractor, is that the Dagoman blade, the Grouser blade, or whatever it is that they would typically put on a on a on a smaller row crop tractor to go clean pins and those kind of things, that that three point in the front gives you that ability to get right. that three point blade, and then you don't have to fight the stupid you know, frame and everything else all the time, taking it on and off or it's on your way or whatever else. Yep. You set that thing down and you're good. And you're it's a tighter package. Right. So you can get into some really, you can really get into corners a lot better. Exactly. Than what you can with there. And you still get the same. You have a third of the, or yeah. you're, you're at third less wheelbase. <laughs> right. In that and you still have the hour. flexibility of having the six-way blade and this, that, and the other right. thing, you know. So you can really make that thing work. But also the other thing too is on the front of that that tractor is that, now, when you're in that livestock situation or whatever you're doing, you don't have to necessarily, where you have maybe your auger at is no longer that big of a deal because you can pull in or back up right. to hook up to it. Yeah. You can load trucks faster in and out of the, load and unload trucks faster in and out of, of that. And also, just the ability to do... Um, Whatever your whatever your grinding situation looks like, right? You know, yeah, you have a lot more versatility when you come there. So, I think when people look at those mm. that particularly rig, I mean, I think there's some opportunities there that that are that are often overlooked in North America, whereas in like Europe, that's the main. That, yeah, that's they a, wouldn't even look at it. They Self propelled, they'd be why like, why would, do we want that? Why would you not put a PTO in three point on the right. tractor? You know, those kind of things. Whereas like the good old fashioned New Holland bidirectional. Which was kind of like that first introduction to the United States and North America for Versatility. Versatility. Here's a track that truly it goes both ways. Yeah.
0: Oh Hey Hey (laughs) oh
1: but they have that functionality of what that looks like and what you're doing and how those things work. I think to me, as more of this vertical integration becomes into some of these bigger operations where cattle isn't they're not buying as much forage, they're not buying as much hay looking at going like, okay, well, now I'm going to take these, you know, these ten pivots over here, and that's going to be my alfalfa patch or whatever. Right. This these ten pivots over here are going to be what I'm going to cut for forage and those kind of things. That particular tractor is going to have, a, I think, more of a draw into that into that hay integration as you look at that. Absolutely. Now, flip it back here and let's just talk about your your various windrowers. You know, so you got your rotary cutter, and the rotary cutter has actually taken. A, a huge chunk of market share away from your traditional sickle machine. Uh, 95%. Yeah, so it's, 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 made a, it's made a big difference. Now, it also gives you, you know, you're talking a 14- or a 16-foot head. There's still a place for that sickle machine.
2: There absolutely of, is. In, in that situation. I will yeah. speak high, loud, and proud that, yes, if you are a predominant grass hay man, yeah. do not buy a rotary. And it, let me rephrase that. Unless you're in the central or eastern time zone, if you're in the western time zone, do not go into grass hay, a grass meadow, with a disc mower. It'll do unless you don't really want a bunch of it, right? It'll it'll make it disappear real quick. Yep, it'll blow it down. And yeah. if you have short hay, you know, right. if you have like one of them lush mountain meadows, go out there with your WT35 and be done in ten right. seconds. But for the common man. Doing light grass hay, the sickle is just supreme. Yep.
1: One thing I will say about some of these draper heads, like the 30-foot drapers and stuff like that you can put on there, they, and they have and they have uh, side discharge, something like that. Those, again, those are another great machine when it comes into, into the forge side of it.
2: Right. Absolutely. Which we use those. We have those all over in this area for millet. Yep. And I've always thought that, you know, a guy ought to go out there, of course, the thing you gotta remember if it's a chop crop, it's very heavy. Yep. More often than not. And you're gonna know that every inch of that 30 feet is on the front of you. Right. Trying to keep that keep the draper running. Right. You know, when it yep. gets that big and heavy. Yeah. Cause you're you're with a you're you're a moist growing crop. It's different than the the millet thing. Right. Well millet's six inches tall, but right. canola. Yeah. Great big crop yep. swathed with drapers. But it's at a different life stage Right Than Irrigated yeah. alfalfa Exactly You know exactly. Or irrigated triticale yep. You know Something like that Yep Absolutely
1: Absolutely So now you've got You've got all those things there We've kind of hit on here a little bit But you can't talk about hay Without talking about forge, Right So you've got you got these choppers That are out there right now The choppers are running You know We're doing that That pickup phase Of, of halage here That early You know Whether they're cutting rye Or whatever it is That they're doing You know They're They're laying that stuff down right now and they're really getting after it but that's the one machine that unlike combines there's not a lot of folks out there that are that are venturing past that you know Here's the absolute biggest one you can get, and we might just go a quarter turn backwards to the second to the biggest one yeah, you can get. Yeah, Like, there's no one out there going
2: out there. I want, you know, give me that, what's the smallest chopper you make? Yeah, I'll is, take that. is the 9900 the only one they make now? Because <laughs> that's the only one I ever hear about. Right, you and, know. and But but also that
1: kind of goes back to a previous or, podcast we talked about where that's a that's a very much still – that's a custom guy. Yes, it's a custom dominated market. Yep, hundred uh, percent. Even but even the guys that are doing it, that are vertically integrated and they do their own their own forge and those kind of things, they're still looking at because there's you start talking about dry down and moisture and those oh, kind yeah. of things. I mean,
2: and you know what I've noticed more than that, they they might just be like the sixty nine ten guy, right? But if he's going to trade, he wants a seventy nine fifty or an eight thousand eight hundred, right? Because yeah he's going to get that neighbor and that neighbor he's he wants to haul ass on his own right. and get done so he'll do a couple neighbors right there's a lot of that in the chopper world yeah lately because everybody wants the big one and then you end up with everybody needs a class 80 chopper and right. yeah. that's it yeah yeah so i think that, that chopper marketplace to me is
1: is a is a very interesting one and it, more and more just from the rate how, how, how the cattle operations are kind of moving towards this you know with nutritionists really being heavily involved in what's going on oh, in these yeah. bigger operations Big that, time. that there's a a very defined way that they want that feed well
2: done. and yeah. we're to the point now nutritionists are riding in choppers oh yeah you know Watching they're, they're the yeah they're really paying attention the guy whose stuff it is he's talked to him yeah you yeah. know, we'll feed whatever. Talk to him. He's the, yeah. he's the one that will tell you what we want. Yep. Yeah. And that's that was uh,
1: more and more of those machines are being sold to a nutritionist. Yeah. Choppers are yeah. to a right. nutritionist. You're selling to the yeah. nutritionist, yeah. but he's not writing the check. Right, exactly. That's, exactly. His recommendation or her recommendation is going to go a long ways. Absolutely. Well,
2: that's why we're seeing... The big changes you know why in the last five years kps have changed so exactly. much Yeah, you know yeah. you got one that's like no i want every damn thing in that truck powder right and then the next one is like oh hell if you can run a 10 knife drum and a no kp have at it you right. know yeah yeah.
1: so it's it's uh, gonna be a bigger and bigger thing so i think there's more um hay is always kind of been a thing but it's There's more science behind the hay business now, a lot than than there's been in a long time. Yep, the
2: the hay business has gone from zero to a lot of tech. Yeah, whereas row crop has been flooded with tech all the time, and it's just commonplace. You know, I mean, now you're to the point you can get, you know, all your you can monitor the baler and Mm -hmm. scales and moisture and all that, even on round balers. Yeah, you know, you You can just keep going with tech. Until yep. you're blue in the face. Yeah, there's a, I'm trying
1: to remember what it was, but there was a deal where you could, uh, every bill that comes out of the baler, it knows the moisture and the weight and the content of that. So and it then it puts it on a map and you can see okay so bill number two fifty six is the one that you want to go pick up first because it's the driest or it's the wettest or whatever yep. it is you're trying to feed so that that sure is better
2: than ways. a can of red spray paint <laughs> exactly yeah like ah this one that one's a little warm <laughs> <laughs> feed that first <laughs> yeah
1: so I think a lot more uh, a lot more transactionary stuff has taken place in the hay marketplace or more. You know, like a guy told me, those first thirty years of, of you know, self propelled windrowers. Nobody really cared about if he went straight or not. They made one update. Yeah, cabin A/C. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And then he goes, now. I mean, now, if your A B line goes out on your swather, you're probably going to stop.
2: <laughs> yeah, you, know, you right. know what I mean. Well, if you, you think about it, yeah. you know, especially you get like a W two hundred and sixty, where nothing is going to stop that damn thing. Yeah. You can go cut ten inch oaks. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can't drive that thing fifteen mile an hour, yeah, and have any kind of and not have skips and all that. Yeah. so I get it. Yeah. you know, with that side of it. Yeah,
1: and it's it's. I'll come back down to the to the production efficiency. You're, of you're in
2: when you're in the high production world. Yeah. It don't matter if it's hay or corn, right? Yeah. They rely on the same things to accomplish the task. Exactly right. They got to have the tech to be able. And you have to. Right. You can't drive a chopper. But if you're out there, and and the custom world is go 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 efficient yeah. efficient efficient efficient. Yeah. They they have to have that to up their efficiency. Yeah. I will say that as a guy who's not into wires and switches, I fully fully believe they have to have it. Yeah. I will say you can plant with markers on an exact emerge. At 9.5 mile an hour, a hell of a lot easier than you're gonna drive that swather in a circle, one circle at 13 mile an hour yeah. any day. I'll agree. Totally agree with that, because it's, I'll be
1: honest with you, it's, it's, uh.
2: So there you go. Hey guys, yeah. you need the auto steer worse. Yeah.
1: <laughs> there, there's a plug for you. There you go. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a thing, because now you're looking at if you can save 30 minutes of field and you extrapolate that across the day, I mean, you might be able to pick up one or two more fields. Absolutely. Because of that. Now all of a sudden you're picking up one or two more fields in a day. Next thing you know, you got 10 or 15 fields done more in the seven day period than you would have done normally. So, right. And, I mean, it's if, and
2: if you're on a circle, you're in high volume. Right. Right. And you're, 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 WR-9980, whatever the hell it is, or W-260, is going to eat anything you put in front of it, okay? They're going to eat it, and they will go as fast as you can sit in the seat, Right. okay? If you can pick up, you know, do the math, per circle, and it takes those guys no time to put down a circle, but you take a full 120 to 130 size circle, 13 mile an hour, and are you doing 14.5 on your header 14, 13.5, mm-hmm. how truly big is your gap? Right. You dial that in, and you're not steering it, and you're hauling ass. You start adding that up That every six inches that you can keep that much more in that head off that next pass. Oh, yeah. Makes there you go, difference. man. Makes a little difference. So.
1: Yeah, so good <laughs> stuff, man. So good stuff to use, Aaron. Plenty of things going on. I would say that I'd like to pitch out a, a deal of the day on a Swather or a baler, but... We don't have we any. don't have any, so... But
2: it uh, cool. keep your eyes on the ads, and if you see something, call. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So folks want to reach out to you get more information about what it is that you can offer and what's the best way to do that.
2: Uh, call or text me, 308-760-1193. Also pretty active on the Ag Twitterverse, and I am at Fintel. At Twitter. Right on. Or on Twitter. On Twitter, yes. Yeah. So
1: not at Twitter. At
2: Aaron Fintel at Twitter.com. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm Casey Seymour. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast, as well as any blogs I have posted. So also go over to MovingIronLLC.com, and you can find the entire volume of Moving Iron LLC podcasts, as well as every blog post that I've ever written. I think it's there. If only sure. those volumes were leather bound and smelled of rich mahogany that would be it'd be way cooler wouldn't it (laughs) way cooler but also when you have the moving iron llc.com website make sure you go to the navigation arrow navigation uh, box and click on the moving iron summit and that's where you'll find all of the information about what's going on there from um, speakers agendas Uh, Hotel reservations, how to get registered, all those cool things. A lot of good information there. Great places to put faces with names as well as get the latest information about what's going on in the industry. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with Aaron Fennell. Let's go move some art, folks.
0: Thanks, Casey and Aaron. And we've got even more used equipment remarketing resources that we're sending your way. In addition to this podcast, we're tapping into Casey's expertise across all our informational channels. Find more from him in the print magazine and on farm-equipment.com slash svexpert. And you can keep up with the latest industry news by registering online to receive our free newsletters. Visit www.farm-equipment.com. For Casey and Aaron, as well as our entire staff here at Farm Equipment, I'm Kim Schmidt. Thanks for listening.